It's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I could follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, <laughs> and that's what I like doing. Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm warm. Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking like a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to Syracuse 41-36. to Robbie, why does why do we keep meeting like this? Why does this keep happening? I don't know. I'm last week I didn't have to deal with it. I just passed it off to you, and uh, that was for the best. Uh, let's be honest. The, 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 I will say there was a small thought in my mind of doing it again this week, and uh, I decided not to. So I am actually traveling tomorrow, but we are recording a night earlier than we used to, just because we are that enthusiastic about the 2021 Virginia Tech Hokies football season. Yeah, it was more of a like, let's just grip it and rip it kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you're busy tomorrow night. Let's record on Monday and get it over with. That's right. But um, yeah, last week when I recorded solo, it wasn't one of these heartbreakers. You know, it was it was kind of in hand early on against Pitt. But this was more like the Notre Dame or West Virginia game. Why don't you give us a cheers, kind of raise our spirits a little bit? Oh, really? That one's going to be a tough one, this one. Uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> Uh, basketball season is coming. It's getting close. Uh, Pete probably knows better than I do. We got to be what? A couple weeks out. Maybe are we that close? Isn't it the ninth. I think it's the ninth that it's yeah, coming so, up. Yeah. Oh man. I, I hit it almost spot on then. So yeah, almost, uh, almost exactly two weeks away from now. We will have Virginia tech basketball. Um, we're looking, the Hokies are looking good. The hype's starting to build nationally. Not just, not just Hokie fans this time. Uh, it's actually, um, you know, uh, uh, people uh, in other programs and people that cover the ACC and people covering nationally, actually uh, talking about the Hokies a little bit. So I don't want to completely dismiss our Virginia Tech football players and the effort that they showed out there. I will dismiss some of our coaches uh, for the time being. And uh, But uh, hats off to all the players still getting up early, doing their workouts, getting their training in, playing hard. But that was brutal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna focus one on basketball. <laughs> Cheers, yes, and it is the ninth. Cheers, man. Last week the preseason poll came out for basketball, and we were not ranked, but we were outside in the receiving votes. I am excited. Maine is on the ninth, and then we'll get into some other out of conference games. We've got Maryland out of conference. That should be pretty fun early December. Handful of good games, ACC Big Ten Challenge, of course. We'll talk about basketball once we're getting getting a few more weeks into this football season. In the AP poll, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons managed to stay undefeated. I thought it might come to an end versus Army, but their offense showed up big time. Yeah, they dropped a, what a seventy burger on. Uh, yep. on I think Army put up. 
Army hit like 59. It was it was crazy. And I wasn't watching the game, but I was seeing the highlights every time they showed them, and it was just like another long play by Wake. They they are doing their damn thing on offense. Pitt is at 17 after beating Clemson. So that puts to bed Clemson for the most part. It's gonna be hard, even if they beat Wake, to to catch them for because Clemson probably hasn't lost their last game in conference. <laughs> yeah, they, they got one more loss. In them. I don't know if they have two, but they definitely have one more loss. I think they have um, – I know they have – so what do they, they got to play Wake for yeah, one. Yeah, they got to play Wake. That's going to be um, rough. I think they but, have uh, – But it's Florida State this, this weekend, week. right? Yeah. And FSU has quietly won three in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know the last one was against UMass, but they got two ACC wins before that. They're – they're playing pretty well. FSU is ahead of us in a number of the, uh, you know, FPIs and uh, SP pluses of the world. Yeah. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit. I want to dovetail. We're going to talk a little bit about the coaches. I know we don't want to hit on that too much every week, but I think at this point we kind of have to. And I do think the state, the state of the ACC this year is, does not help the case of what's going on with Fuente. And I'll kind of, expand on what i mean by that when we talk about it a little bit later sounds good both oklahoma state and penn state lost two top 10 teams the top four for the playoff if it started today at least according to the ap poll would be georgia cincinnati bama and oklahoma so at least you get one different team in there and then at five and six ohio state and michigan so uh that's going to lead up to a really big matchup at the end of the season. I can't wait to see those two teams go at it, but those big 10 East teams are all going to start eating each other here pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I, Penn state just got, uh, just got eaten up by itself when in Illinois. <laughs> that's, this, true. This weekend. that's true. So one of, one of those already, uh, uh, already had, but we uh, got Michigan, Michigan state this weekend. Yeah. The, uh, coming up. The ass end of the the East in uh, came back in and bit Penn State, so uh, that that's not good. I can't, I cannot believe that a nine overtime game. So imagine you took the over in the in the Illinois Penn State game. It goes to nine overtimes and potentially doesn't hit. I don't even know what it was, but it only hit thirty eight points. So I can't imagine it was a thirty eight point over. Yeah, no, no chance. Uh, I that was just I watched almost that entire thing because I was at my mom's this past weekend and she oh, went I'm to sorry. state. Yeah, yeah, we watched. I had the Penn, the Virginia Tech game on my phone, like on the coffee table, and we have the Penn State Illinois debacle on the big screen. <laughs> I did <laughs> not watch all that overtimes. Yeah, I didn't watch that, but I heard enough about it in podcast recaps that it sounded yeah. like one of the worst football games in like the last three years. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. <laughs> Virginia Tech is now three and four after our loss. The SP plus shockingly still sits at forty third. I, I, I guess it's because these are some close losses and we aren't necessarily as bad as our three and four record, but that's what it is. Fifty seventh on offense, thirty eighth on defense. Still a top forty unit despite that putrid performance this past weekend, which we will get into in a little bit. I had two more kind of housekeeping notes. One, we put out a tweet this week that we are looking for quote-unquote interns to help us with the podcast. It's not an intern in the in, in the same sense because we're not a real business. <laughs> it, <laughs> Far it is, from it. Yeah, it's kind of an intern in, in that um, we need someone. We're looking for a couple of guys who want to help us put out another episode each week. And we'll give you more details on that. 
we're looking for maybe some guys that have a different perspective. So aka younger than us. <laughs> and, um, but we'd also like you to have listened to the pod, know kind of what our style is like and not mimic it, but you know, rhyme with it and do another podcast for us during the week at some point. So I said, send us resumes. If you're a recent grad or still in school, what you've been working on, if you're a media major, whatever it is, uh, let us know what your background in sports is, what what your background as a tech fan is, and we will get back to you and hopefully hire a couple couple guys to help us with this thing or girls or girls. Yeah, it doesn't I, I don't care if if anybody doesn't like an episode that you put out or has a problem with anything you say, you can rest assured that I'll just point them directly to you because I won't give a shit. So it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, you know. Bill or Susan said whatever on the other podcast and I didn't really like it. And I'll be like, well, you should probably take that up with Bill or Susan. So uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll have you'll have pretty much free reign in, in that respect. We will defend you and also throw you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it something you liked or didn't like? Because that's going to influence my response. No, but and, and in that same vein, we ordered a bunch of two deep stickers this week. And we kind of have a plan going forward with these stickers. If you listen to us, you know that we don't make money off this podcast that was never the point that's not what the real goal is we get some shekels from <laughs> dominion wine and beer and downtown crown um uh, but not enough really to just barely even cover our costs we we are nonprofit, and we've always just tried to put our own money into the podcast to have a voice in the virginia tech community Nonprofit would assume that we're like close to break even the fact is <laughs> is that we have done a good job of seven yeah. years running of of only putting money in and not taking any money out whatsoever. Right. So we're we're on a quite a streak. So the idea with the stickers is they will cost $5. If you have listened to and enjoyed the podcast over the years, there is no obligation to purchase a sticker. But if you give us a $5 donation, we will mail you a nice high quality vinyl sticker that you can stick to your computer or your cooler or whatever. It'll it's an indoor outdoor sticker. It's really nice. Um, and so that's, that's our plan going forward. They will arrive this week. Once they are, will arrive, we will begin taking orders. Uh, it'll be a very easy, seamless process. And, uh, yeah, we hope that we get a bunch of orders and we would encourage you to order one if you want to support the podcast. But like I said, no obligation. Yeah. If not, our moms are going to have to like, um, go and buy them all because then we're going to have extras <laughs> and, that's just embarrassing for everybody involved. So let's not let's not let it come to that, please. That's right. That's right. Actually, I just got an email. They should arrive tomorrow. So I'm excited. We'll put out all the details on Twitter. The last note was just about the injuries. We had Waller that was questionable before the game. He did play, but he didn't play much. It was just like a few snaps for him out there. He might have been in a boot again at the end of this one. He was in a boot at the end of the pit game, but he didn't play much in this past game. We probably could have used him at the end there. Yes, I think we certainly could have used him because uh, there were wide receivers running free uh, all over over the place. There were, in fact, everything on the defense really struggled. I, I I started to pick a narrative, and then it would flip the script. It was you know running on us, QB runs, then the running back would break off, then there would be a pass thirty yards down the field, and a wide open exactly. receiver. It was. It was a, uh, we didn't get like a little bit of it. We got the whole thing. We ate the whole elephant in one sitting of just, you know, not fun stuff. Absolutely, man. Let's hop into this game recap. 
We came out swinging on offense. That was nice to see. TD on the first drive, went right down the field, got the wide open pass to Drake Delius. Syracuse answered right back with the TD run by Tucker, but so did we with the run by Thomas. It was 14-7 Tech early. A couple drives later, Syracuse scored on the run by Schrader. Well, we blocked the kick, and Strong ran it back for the two-point conversion on the other end. So it was 16-13 Tech. We added a 48-yard field goal from Romo to lead 19-13. But Syracuse went all the way down the field in about a minute. And right at the goal line before the half, it looked like they were about to score. We called a timeout on a play where we stopped them. Fuente's livid because he thought we had time to change personnel and didn't, so he ended up calling a timeout. But ball don't lie, field goal missed anyway, but it was very weird. 19-13 at the half. Syracuse started off the second half with a TD drive, eight plays, 75 yards. Schrader scored on the 20-yard run. He was running all over us for most of the day. Malachi ran in his second TD halfway through the third. We lost it on downs a bit later, and Syracuse took it 66 yards on 13 plays, scoring on another Schrader run. We answered with a field goal, made it 29-27 tech, and at this point, I know I was sweating bullets. A little bit later in the fourth, Thomas busted right up the middle, 47-yard TD run. It was the rare hat trick. He got three touchdowns. It's 36-29. to So we got a nine-point lead. There's, what, was it five minutes and 30 seconds left? Something like that, Robbie? Five minutes and 25 seconds exactly when I looked at it. Yeah. Sorry, we watched it today. Okay. Syracuse fought back. They, they got a TD on the 12-yard pass to Jackson just under three minutes, and that was set up on a 51-yard kick return, which is, I mean, how often do we see that? That doesn't, that doesn't happen to us where they get a long kick return, but it set them up real well. And after we got a first down to Robinson on a drive where we're trying to kill the clock, we went three and out and punted the ball back with a minute and four left. I was still feeling all right at that point. We had Q's fourth and four, but Schrader does his magic again, gets the first down, and then throws the 45-yard bomb to Alford with just seconds left. He got crushed on the play while he was passing it. They take the lead. It was a dagger. The Fire Fuente chance started coming from the crowd prior to our Hail Mary attempt that fell incomplete, and Syracuse won 41-36. to uh, Do you have a... <laughs> <laughs> just let that I mean, silence linger, linger for a second. I, I, I mean, I don't even know what you can say anymore. The story of the game was another Virginia Tech collapse uh, this year. And I don't know if WVU counts as a collapse, but it kind of does because we had our chance right at the end there. But Notre Dame definitely does, and this was in that same vein. Yeah, the, the story of the game is the offense showed up, and because they did, uh, the defense was like, yeah, all right. Offense is here, so let's not do anything uh, this game. And that's kind of how it played out. So, and I don't want to be too mean to the defense, but it, it just sucks that we finally got that side of the ball rolling a little bit. And there was definitely some flaws, obviously, in that offense as well. But, man, we were running the ball really well in this game. And uh, Thomas was just – I have a lot of good things to say about Thomas when we get into details. And sure. we just couldn't stop him. I know. Syracuse had been winless in their previous 10 ACC road games, and they were able to squeak it out against us. Bitter had this stat. It was the third three-game home losing streak for Fuente in the last four years. Frank Beamer only had two such streaks in 88 and 92 before our bowl streak really got rolling. 
And Bitter also said it looks as if this is the beginning of the end for Fuente, which I think is <laughs> the understatement of the season. Yeah. Um, four home games in a row, and the only win we could manage was, what, a 10-point win against Richmond, 11-point win against Richmond? 0-3 versus FBS in that stretch. Just so rough. Um, Let's get into the offense because obviously they played a little bit better than the defense. How did you think Burmeister looked in, in the game? He struggled, so obviously uh, a bit, and stayed in the pocket a little bit more uh, in this game. He did extend some drives on uh, tough third downs that I think we really needed and found some openings and, and cut some holes. He didn't have a ton of yards in this game, but it was enough to, to do it. Um, we're still... You know, we had to be cute at times to get the passing game working at all. If you remember, we had that little slip stringy screen pass. I think it was in the third quarter to Robinson to try and get some yard. Or no, that was in our first drive that we had to. Um, we did that. And yeah, yeah. And then he had the nice long bomb to Turner that Turner you know caught, but just couldn't hold on to. So it was up and down. It was not. Not great. Obviously, the stats were horrific, but it was the running game was working, and he didn't have, uh, he didn't pass the ball a whole lot, and not that he necessarily gets into the flow, but uh, there were pretty long droughts in between his passes in this game in particular. So overall, he didn't do any damage. There was no interceptions. He didn't really do a whole lot uh, to to help things, but. You know, he, the lack of damage was enough to, I think, really keep us in this game if the defense had had showed up. So I thought, I thought he was not good, not, but just kind of fine. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of like par for the course for what he's capable of doing. It was, you know, 177 yards passing, a little bit of rushing yards, but some key rushing plays that picked up first downs. It's kind of just like what he does. He started out five for five. Now, some of those were those same typical short passes we're talking about, but then he had a one of seven stretch that was really rough. A lot of balls hitting the ground, a lot of overthrows, just just not pretty stuff. And like you said, a couple of drops or mishandled balls kind of thing. But the player of the day and maybe of the season was Malachi Thomas and 153 yards on 21 carries for an over seven yard per carry average. It was the first back to go over a hundred this year, which no one saw that coming with the number of backs we had. He would have been probably seventh or eighth on the list. If I had to pick one first true freshman to score three TDs in a game since 87. Yeah. Ryan Williams did it, but he was a red shirt freshman. Incredible. And this is a true freshman in in the season when there's been so many COVID freshmen, he is legitimately a true freshman and went out there and put up three touchdowns. Amazing. I, he was incredible. His running was awesome in this game. I would say to bring it back to him and Burmeister, maybe I have just been an idiot and not noticing, or just maybe I noticed it in this game because he was running so well. Did, did you notice the the RPO type style, and it was really more of a read option that was going on in this game, much more pronounced than it was almost in any other game. And the defense was really having to play it. So with Burmeister running, that threat has always been there. And the hole in the pocket of Thomas, and it was a Blackshear as well, where they were holding the ball. It was almost, you know how Wake Forest does that delayed handoff? Yeah. Um, they were almost doing the delayed handoff on the um, read pass option, and it was working amazingly. All I could think was, where was this? Maybe it was something they saw schematically, 
that just had to do with Syracuse or who the defense is or how they play. But it was yeah. so it looked so much better and really kept the defense on its heels throughout the game. And I just kept thinking to myself, where has this been? Because it looked I really nice. You. The mesh was held so perfectly and it kept people and they were reading it very, very well. There were some, you know, foul ups here and there, but there's always going to be on, on the read option. I definitely noticed it and completely agree. It was, we had to do that. This Syracuse front, it was really good against the run. So whatever they saw on tape, they decided to go maybe a little bit different direction, throw a few more wrinkles in there. And it was working. Blackshear had a great day in addition to Thomas. Over 100 total yards for him, 78 on the ground, almost 8 yards a carry for Blackshear. 260 total rushing yards, almost 6 yards a clip. That is, that's exactly what we want to do. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's funny because in the early Fuente years, there was a lot of passing and not a lot of like traditional ground game where we're pounding the football. And me and you were like, I wish we would run the ball more, kind of like old school tech. And last year, we got a full taste of that with Khalil Herbert. We were running a ton. But I don't know what the style is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, what if Fuente had all the players available to him that he could have, what would we do more of? Would we be more of a running team? Would we be more of a passing team? I really have no idea. But I did like what I saw from the run game on Saturday. Robinson also had that nifty third down catch. I think that that's the one you're talking about yep. on the first drive. Yep. He really kind of like snaked through. Mm-hmm. He also had the great catch on the sideline, which was ruled incomplete, but then they overturned it. Yep. That was sweet. Trey had more yards rushing than receiving. That's not exactly what you want to see. And he only had four touches and 12 receiving yards. Um, but he did have, was it a drop that you were talking about? Yeah, it was a long, it was, I think it was about a 40 yard pass. Uh, it was a long bomb down the field on the right, down the right. And, 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 and we always want to see Trey get the ball more like that's, we've been saying that, but when you have a guy like Thomas going off, it's not as essential, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to get Trey a little bit more than four, four times a game. Um, I didn't have like a whole lot of those failures. I know we lost the ball on downs. Uh, on the incomplete pass, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like it wasn't egregiously bad, like offensive day. I'm not going to hammer them for anything that happened because we put up enough yards to win the game. Yeah, I think the only yeah they, the fourth and four call. I didn't I didn't really care. It doesn't matter to me either way. Uh, the offense was doing well. There was that whole series in the third quarter where we had like the block pass, then a terrible pass on the left, and ended up when we were starting to we needed to really. You know, set that momentum in. That was a little bit weird, but nothing, nothing bad. And honestly, even at the end, that hail mary was about one foot from being caught um, after it got tipped. <laughs> um, not that we should have any business being in that situation, but it was actually a really good pass. He threw it to you know the probably seven yards deep into the end zone, perfectly got tipped up and almost uh, almost came down with it. So overall, the offense I thought was really effective in this game. I heard some people kind of saw it on Twitter and heard it other places like that. We went away from the run at the end and that's not really true. I mean, we, if you look at the last couple drives, like we were, we ran the ball. It just wasn't that successful. And most of our yards on the run, like Malachi's big runs came in the second half. Yeah. So I, I don't, you, you can poo poo what you want to do, but like the defense was the problem with this game. And there was, it so- was a bet. Ba- there were so yeah, few passes in the in the first half that it's all 
you can I can see where that narrative came from, especially since I do all the stats. So I have to log yeah. and I log what quarter they're all in. And there were so few passes. Plus, there were really not that very many series that were in the first half whatsoever. If you think about it, only I think we had the ball twice and Pitt had the ball once in the whole first quarter. And that bled into the second quarter. Like all of yeah. a sudden I turned around and it was we were deep into the second quarter. So it may have felt that way. But it was only 20 passes overall. And yeah, maybe 13 of those were in the second half of the game. But granted, it's, it's not that big of a deviation. Yeah, yeah. 329 rush yards given up by our defense on Saturday. Seven yards a carry for Syracuse. 550 total yards. Dude, that Schrader guy... Great runner, man. He was, I don't know if he's always that good. I know he's had a good year running the football, but 174 yards. And he was just picking spots, cutting back. And obviously our guys were playing poorly on the defensive side of the ball, but he was also playing really well. 112 for Tucker, who we know is a great back. Four total rush TDs for their offense and five total TDs for the quarterback. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was um, – he had no interceptions. He really took care of – he went 16 for 34, so his passing was effective, and quite honestly, he had a lot of open receivers and a lot of difference. And they dropped – actually, there was a long touchdown pass that got dropped. There were a couple of drops from them. It could have been even worse. So um, I don't know where – I don't think he's been doing it like that all season. So he was shredding us. Yeah, and the funny thing was, his numbers through the air overall don't look that good, but they got a lot of key catches at key times. Like, every single one of the receptions was, like, really important that they got, including the last one, uh, which was just a dime. You look at the final passer rating for Schrader, Pickett had a worse rating against us than Schrader did. And Pickett's like, you know, this Heisman hopeful now. and. Schrader actually had a better day passing the ball. I'm not talking about his running. His running was off the charts. Mm-hmm. Passing the ball, it was a better day than Pickett had against us. We we had opportunities. We just didn't take advantage. We had Syracuse backed up in their own end zone. Uh, with, they were at the one-yard line, I think it was. Yep. And they turned that into a 99-yard drive, I believe, for a touchdown. We, that was the one where we blocked the extra, extra point and returned it for two. But... Man, that was brutal. A lot of people thought we had the safety there in the in the back. And, yeah, they ended up turning that into a touchdown drive. Yeah, it was 98-yard 90, okay. drive on that one. Uh, 21 points allowed in the fourth quarter. Cues was 4 for 4 on fourth down and 11 of 20 overall on third and fourth down. So that's what I was talking about with the, with the key plays. There was a lot of backbreakers in there, including that, that fourth down a conversion on the last drive, just one sack for the D only three tackles for loss. We had six pass breakups in the game, but like I said, it just seemed like on the really necessary plays, our corners were just like a step off so often. Yep. Yeah. And it was, it was hard to watch. And there were quite a few passes that I was like, Oh man, we were just to your point, just that a little bit off and they would make the completion almost every single time when it really mattered. We are 103rd now in yards per carry against. Do you remember last year just how bad our rush defense was? Yeah. It was it was very, very poor. And that was you know a mix of COVID and having guys in and out of the lineup. Well, that's not really the case here. We're not we haven't missed 
any defensive starters, have we, uh, for the most part? Not really. No. And we're 103rd in rush defense in yards for carry. Like, that is unacceptable. That is just such a basic – and maybe it's maybe it's the loss of Ashby, you know? Maybe, like, Dax, he has his games where he plays all right, but he was, I mean, diving at air in this game. Yeah, yeah he had – yeah, it was one of those games that he was definitely off. Um, but, yeah, the only time that I think we were missing anybody was Dax for half a game when he got the targeting. Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> and then we lost Ferguson right after that. Right, year. yeah. So in terms of the takeaways, the fire Fuente chance at the end of the game, this isn't something like we're making up or harping on. Like All the writers wrote about it, saw it, heard it, whatever. It was – it happened, and it's when your coach is – when they're yelling fire your coach at the end of the game, uh, you know the tide has turned. Yeah, that's when that's when it gets – and it, I don't think this is – I don't know if I would ever be chanting anything like that. I don't think I ever would. It's just not in my nature. But the, the fact that it was the third home loss, I think, is it kind of – it was the crescendo of mm-hmm. a third home loss, another tough loss. It, it was devastating. Was, it it all, honestly, you know, there, we're up nine points with five twenty five left in the game. Like you said, we were still up with they, even though they were driving. It was there was only two thirty six left in the game when they scored. We were still up by nine with two minutes and thirty six left. Then they scored. They were right near the end yes, zone. Right, so they right, right. it took them a full three minutes to make that drive all the way down. Uh, And they scored, so we're still up by two with two and a half minutes left in the game. And we lost another one on a back-breaking, long touchdown pass with terrible coverage. Uh, That was the only thing. And I think Fuente came out and talked about it, and they said they had the wrong coverage in or something along those lines. They did say they had the wrong coverage, but I didn't think – that the actual coverage, maybe they wanted to call a different coverage, but I'm saying the actual coverage by Strong, I didn't think was that bad. I thought he was like right there with the guy. I, I have to go back and watch it, but I thought he was right there. I mean, he was still, he still let him behind him. <laughs> yes, they're yes. trying. <laughs> they're any way you cut it, right? You're you're trying to stop them. You're trying to you know, hopefully get the win. And I mean, he got it. So what are you going to do? You yeah. Know, whether, whether coverage is good or not, he, he got it. Yeah. You don't, you don't let them behind you in that situation when you're up and you're just trying to make sure that nobody scores. And that's exactly what you let them do. I mean, that, that, that is the only, the only back breaking play that you can allow right there is that, that play. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the back. They wanted, they wanted different safety help yeah. on that play. I, I'm, I'm assuming something, something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, it was really kind of similar to when we beat Nebraska, you know, and Danny Cole gets free at the end of a, a long game where, you know, kind of looked like Nebraska was going to win that whole game. And then we come out, get the long pass. And we ended up, yep. Danny Cole got knocked out right before the end, but it was similar in nature. Yep. And that like at the very end of the game, in a game that's been back and forth and hasn't had a whole lot of long bombs, you get this long bomb out of nowhere. Yep. And it, it, I can't believe it, it got completed, but it did. I'm just sad for the players, honestly. They've they've been busting their ass. They've been close. They've been competitive. It's not like they're just getting their their teeth kicked in. They're they're there with these teams. And 
even a team that has one loss like Notre Dame. No, they weren't competitive in the pick game, but that's one game. And every other game, they've been right there, had a chance to win, and it, it didn't work out. And it comes down to a, 10 plays a game, you know, five plays a game that just go the wrong way, a ball bounces the wrong way, and, and you lose. And that's the kind of stuff that accumulates, accumulates under a coaching staff that is lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. And yeah, I, I would, I would exactly agree with that. It's, you know, put people, he's worried, you know, they, I think it came up in the press conference afterwards that people will, I think the question, I didn't hear what the question was, but something along the lines of, are you concerned about people, you know, talking about your job or whatever the case may be? And Fuente said, I'm just concerned about putting these players in a position to win. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, <laughs> Uh, you've, you, you've put them in a position to win sometimes, uh, and other times you've you've taken that away, perhaps. It just sucks for those kids. I, I hope <clears throat> I hope that they can get get a win this Saturday. We'll see. His fate, him being Fuente, does seem sealed at this point. There was a lot of articles about it, hot seat articles. I think Feldman just put one out. Uh, most people are saying like he's got to be fired. Yeah. They were they were saying that last year. People were saying this. This is this is. I listened to our post Liberty podcast today, and it's we said all this. We, we yeah. I mean, this is all we were done. This is this is like we're so far past this, and yet we're still here. Here, here we are. I think it, to my point that I was ahead. making earlier that I wanted to bring back up is it. You're in year six. You have your own quarterback. Right, that he's a second-year quarterback, the one that you picked. You lost your two other quarterbacks. One of those quarterbacks is at Tennessee, making a, quite the name for himself, and just gave Alabama a run for their money uh, this past weekend, uh, mm-hmm. and played exceptional in that game. But it's on top of all of that, you have Clemson not playing very well. You have the ACC is way down, and if you delivered on what you would expect in a year six with the quarterback that you wanted and really some pretty good skill town, just no depth, this is, this would be like your year to make the playoff. Like, right. I mean, that's you and it's, it's pissed away quite honestly. So I think that does not help anything at, at all. When yeah, people, it, it, those, those, those times are not going to come around every year, you know, Clemson's going to be back and be back quickly. And then it's going to be, it's going to be gone. And, and I know you can't time everything perfectly, but it pretty well could have timed up pretty well for this year, given the way that the ACC has, has performed. You're right. And I, I've thought of that here and there throughout the season, but this past weekend with Clemson losing again, and it, it looking like Wake and Pitt are the two best teams in the ACC. And while they're both good teams, they are by no means great teams. And we're not even there with them. Like we just played Pitt and it wasn't competitive. So like it's so – if I think about it too much, I will just get upset because you're absolutely right. Like this is one of those years where you got to cycle up while the other team cycle down and you got to always be ready for these opportunities because – when has this when has Clemson been bad? It's been a decade, you know? So yep. it, it this you had your chance and now that chance is gone because you weren't able to retain Hooker or 
give him the idea that he might have a chance to start or whatever it is. He was done with our staff and decided to leave. And I'm happy for Hooker for doing that because he's getting a lot better coaching at Tennessee right now than he is if he had stayed. And even if he did stay, and people have brought this up because I've said it a few times, that like, damn, it sucks we lost Hooker because we might be 6-1 and one, or we might be 5-2 and two right now. And people are like, no, no, no. We wouldn't because he wouldn't be getting the coaching. And that is correct. You're right. He wouldn't be getting the coaching. But we've seen Hooker play at a high level under these coaches. We saw it two years ago. He was a monster. And even in some of the games, when he came in in UNC last year, he single-handedly almost brought us back. Yep. I mean, he is when he is hot, he is an amazingly good player, and he was an amazingly good player under this staff. He, he, I'm not saying he got better throughout his career, but at his top end, even early on, he was very good, and it sucks that we lost him, but if you are unhappy with Fuente, you should be happy as hell we lost him because Fuente would still be here in 2022 if Hooker was still here. <laughs> but, yeah, unless if – yeah, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to pile on. You're right. I mean, I Fuente gonna, could still be here in 2022 no, also. No, I was going to say, or he wouldn't play him. but <laughs> or, or he wouldn't play him. You're right. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, yeah, if it would be something if we were still seeing Braxton all this time with our record as it is. But uh, but that is besides the point. I do want to talk about the buyout situation and stuff, but let's do a beer break uh, and take a moment to talk about our sponsor before we do that. Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer, the two best beer stores in the DMV. They are the places you need to go on your Saturdays and Sundays if you want to watch some football. They both got good TV setups, and they both got tons of beers on tap and for sale. Uh, just fantastic food and outdoor setup at Dominion. And at Downtown Crown, it's like a, almost a brand-new building. It's only been open a few years. They were the first ones in that space, and it's gorgeous. You'll love it up there if you're ever in Gaithersburg. That's the one where 270 and 370 meet. And Dominion is right on West Broad in Falls Church. Make sure you check them out. Say hello to Arash. He's always walking around both stores. Uh, and he he busts his butt to get the best stuff available for everyone in the area. Make sure you check them out this season. Robbie, for now, I need to know what you're drinking. So I am uh, drinking the um, Rohrbach Sabro Kitty, a double dry hopped uh, IPA. And this was... Um, another, this was a beer that I actually had with, um, with Basil or Basel, uh, down at, uh, uh, Virginia Tech when I went to the football game, I was telling you about that and met up with him and he got us some pumpkin beers and a couple, um, uh, IPAs as well. And, uh, was nice enough to, to get those for us. And then I couldn't get them cause we were at a tailgate. So then actually ended up having his, uh, sister drop them by our house when she was like coming by here. So, uh, when man, that's dedication. I like it (laughs) above, above and beyond couldn't have, uh, been, been nicer about it. So, uh, this one is, uh, from, uh, Rochester, New York. He, I believe lives up in, um, I'll think of it in a minute. I think he told me, but up in, uh, up in New York. So, uh, very good. I like this beer a lot. It is kind of a dry, not too, it's definitely a double dry hopped uh, in, in the sense that it is um, sits on your palate. It's kind of very heavy. My wife would likely you know despise this beer, but a really good flavorful uh, double IPA. And 
I like it a lot. It's really good. I don't know if I'll be able to get it anymore, but I have a couple of them, so I decided to have one on the podcast. And um, it's kind of got. What was that, the name of that brewery again? Uh, Rohrbach, I think. R O H R B A C H. Gotcha. Okay. Very nice. I am not having a beer tonight. I'm just kind of sipping on a uh, on a lime seltzer over here, non-alcoholic lime seltzer. But uh, I was out earlier with the wife. <laughs> I was telling Robbie. My basement flooded this morning. That's what I woke up to on Monday morning. Our toilet overflowed downstairs. Fortunately, there was not sewage. <laughs> it was not a, a shitty situation. It was just a very wet situation. And uh, I had to have all the flooring ripped out today. It was not a fun day. So me and the wife uh, went out for a little bite to eat and some beers. Earlier, I went to Iron Hill. Iron Hill is kind of like a, a brewery chain, but they have really good food. There's probably there's about 20 in the country. Most of them are on the East coast and most of them are in Delaware, PA, New Jersey. If you're ever in the area though, I highly recommend it. They've got a great tap list and they sell cans, but they've been around since the nineties. Oh. It started like in 1996 and Iron Hill Brewing. It's a great chain, even though it is a chain, it's a smaller chain and their beer is fantastic. So Georgia tech 1230 this Saturday, we got the Tecmo bowl. Is it new? Actually, I think it's at noon, not 1230, but whatever. <laughs> I think you are correct. I'm looking right now. I, I think I have 1230 from the... So it's at noon. GT, it's at noon. Uh, three and four, coached by Jeff Collins. They have had the uh, the funniest win-loss. So their their year has gone loss-win, 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 loss. Yeah. So, that, so perfectly symmetrical. They are due for a win if they follow that up. Oh, no. But their wins currently are over Kenesaw State, UNC and Duke, their losses to NIU, Clemson, Pitt, and UVA. So not any great wins, kind of a bad loss with that NIU right off the bat, but they were starting to play better after that. And they've kind of had a weird year because at first when they played Clemson, everyone's like, wow, that Georgia Tech defense is like holding Clemson down. Mm -hmm. But then we realized that Clemson can't play offense. (laughs) And their (laughs) offensive line is absolutely horrific. Right. And so it's it's actually that Georgia Tech has a pretty good offense and their defense is kind of the worst side of the ball. Yes, I would agree with that. So it's it, the uh, the script got flipped just based on uh, what nobody expected, which was uh, Clemson being terrible. <laughs> right. They're 50th in the SP+, 54th in scoring O, and 42nd in yards per play on offense. So the yards per play is, uh, is just about top 40, but just in the middle of the pack and in about everything else. And I'm not sure they're as good as their advanced metrics are saying. I, I'm, I know their offense is decent and Sims wasn't starting at the beginning of the year and is now kind of really coming on. He's got 900 yards in his last three games. Mm-hmm. So he's really starting to chuck it around a little bit um, and he can run. So I, I'm kind of scared of him actually. Yeah. So he, he has, he just went 27 for 44 against UVA. He had 300 yards in that game, three TDs, and one interception. And to your point, on the year, he's about a 62% completion percentage. Uh, I think I have that right. Um, nine yeah. TDs, but he's got five interceptions. So he's he's been doing some damage. Some of it is self-inflicted, uh, depending on, on the game you're looking at. And, um, you know, he's rushed a, like a little bit 48 rushes, I think for 320 yards and four TDs. So obviously stuff down towards the, the end zone, but uh, 
you know, a little bit more versatile than probably we're we're used to seeing, obviously, out of uh, out of Georgia Tech as they're they're still, you know, I think they've moved on. Excuse me from the. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, go ahead and burp on there. Um, a little, sn- little snuck up on you there. Yeah. Uh, the, but I'm a little worried about that 6.7 yards per rush yeah. with what we just saw from Schrader. Yeah, I would agree I with mean, that. If you include this, like, that includes the sacks, and he's still at almost seven yards of rush. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty frightening considering what he can do through the air. His QBR is not great, 62. His passer rating is 152. Yeah. So that that's decent. It's not It's not excellent. It's but it's decent, and with the way he can run, and I mean, he's got weapons too. Yep. Like this, this offense, it's weird because their offense isn't as rated as highly, like in the advanced metrics. Yep. And I actually think it's better, whereas their defense comes in higher than I think it should, based on its statistics. It's kind of reversed in that sense. But Jameer Gibbs, he just went for one thirty-two versus UVA. He's the running back. He's almost uh, four and a half yards per clip, yep. 411 yards total in the year, just a couple of TDs, but he's got some catches as well. Um, Dante Smith, Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason's been in that program a while. He's got – both those guys are right around 250, and uh, Smith is the one that's you know over, almost seven yards per carry. So yep. they got running back weapons, and they got some receiver weapons too. Yeah, and yeah, to your point, Gibbs has another 320 yards on like 20 receptions, I think it is, and another another TD from him. So um, he he's dangerous. There they have two receivers um, with almost the exact same stats this far. Um, I think it's Carter and then McGowan, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, Kyrick McGowan. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, and both of them, I'm going to round them off, so are about 25 catches for 375 yards each. Um, though um, Kyrick has six TDs. Um, right. In, and Carter only has one TD. So obviously uh, preferred down towards either the goal line. I don't think it's been breaking off a bunch of stuff. So he's definitely been a, a nice safety valve for them and a, and a couple other receivers for them that have, uh, you know, a pair of TDs each. Uh, right. But, um, so they have a good receiving core as well. They do. Sanders had a good game against UVA in the receiving core. So. There's there's weapons running and Gibbs was the guy that like before the season they're talking about him as a kick returner and rushing the ball and he's he's a do it all kind of player so Sims and Gibbs are the guys that could cause us headaches that's the Schrader and the Tucker from this past game I mean they are they're equally as talented as the two guys we just saw so it could be it could be trouble their O line it's not bad it's not great it's right in the middle of the pack so they'll they'll be able to open up some holes and give. Gives Sim some time to throw it. Overall, that he's dangerous. And so with their weapons, they can be explosive. They have 19 plays of 30 yards or more. I believe that was top 30 if you want to go by average per game. They're almost at three per game with those explosive plays. So they can pop one on you here and there. It's not too, too much, but it's more than what we're doing. Yeah. Defensively, it's 50th in the SP+. Plus, but this is what I'm talking about with what I don't understand. 90th in yards per play yeah. on defense. Yeah, it doesn't make and, and, and maybe it's their schedule. They like UVA and UNC's offense, yeah. and so they're like kind of pumping them up because of that, I guess. Uh, they must be. It's not all that, you know, they don't create a lot of havoc. I think they have 13 sacks on the year. They have three interceptions, I believe, total. They do have six fumble recoveries, um, but 
not a lot that that stands out. I, I will say when you look at the stats for their year, what pops off the page is all three of their leading uh, tacklers are linebackers. So you have Quez Jackson, uh, huh, Ayadine Del LA, I believe it is. Don't yeah, yeah. Don't try the first name at all. Char- Charlie <laughs> Thomas. Um, yeah. And, Charlie Thomas is the one. Yeah, but the the three of them uh, all lead the team. You have to get to almost number. Uh, what is it? I think it was number seven on the team before you get to a defensive lineman, uh, which I found right. pretty surprising. So it goes and and granted, it's just tackles, but with the team that's not creating a whole lot of havoc and you know not a whole lot of sacks, uh, I get the impression that the D line is not uh, all that all that cut out. No, their D line is pretty average. Ivy's the only one with a decent amount of TFL. He's got five, mm-hmm. one forced fumble for him. That's this team has some forced fumbles. You mentioned the six fumble recoveries or whatever it was. Yeah. That's the only thing they kind of do havoc wise they have nine forced fumbles on the year but low sacks low hurries d lines meh the linebackers are good and maybe that's out of necessity because the d line's no good but charlie thomas he leads in interceptions he's got two leads in sacks leads in tackles for loss is third in tackles has three more hurries and a forced fumble he is he's their best player on defense and it's not particularly close and he wasn't even a guy that was earmarked before the year to he was going to be like the backup you know, at, at one of the middle linebacker positions, and now he's he's doing the damn thing. The DB group is probably the worst, though. I think it's worse than the D-line. Yep. They've got returning starters and Thomas and Carpenter, Trey Swilling. He's been around, but they're, they're terrible. 117th in opposing passer rating. That's nearly last in all of FBS. So they can be passed on. We just showed... Another game where we weren't able to move the ball through the air very well, um, but I do think they're able to be run on too. It's not this is not Syracuse where it was like oh crap their run defense is good and their pass defense is susceptible. Now both of these the sides of their defense are susceptible. Like we can run on this team too. It's just that I wish and I hope that we will take advantage of how bad their secondary is. Yeah, I, I hope we'll take advantage of it, and I, I hope. You know, this is just me hoping. I don't know if this is in the toolbox, so this is probably me just, you know, wishing for a unicorn to show up outside at some point. But um, if we can convert what we just showed in the read option game and just transition that a little bit to the run pass option, I think that could really help us here and and really bring up almost that triple threat into the program, especially when you think about that how much... Um, you know, BB three, like he likes to throw out of the pocket anyway. So, I mean, it can work out so well for him to be versatile and use that almost into a pure kind of triple threat where you really wouldn't know what's coming. It's not a lot. I mean, you have, you have two reads if you have that you would have one, you're reading whoever's going to come in. That's on the unblocked tackler and figure out whether you're going to hold or pull. And then he likes to get out of the pocket right away anyway. So I just think that that's something that we could use to our advantage. I hope if we can run it on Syracuse, I just hope it, at the very least we just go with that same game plan and really yep. establish that that run again, even if we're not able to pass the ball well on this. And I think we got a couple things going for us here. One, GT's coming off playing UVA. And so they just got 
passed all over. Just saw the pass game over and over and over again. UVA doesn't even run the ball at all, even when they're trying to kill the clock. They have, all they know how to do is pass. And so this is this is like when you play a normal team and then you play the triple option, <laughs> seeing us coming to town. So yes. it's going to be a shock to them to to transition into defending something else, which is nice for us. And we just saw Malachi go off. Blackshear looked good. Let's do that again. Work the pass off of those two fellas. Maybe the O-line starting to gel a little bit more. I don't know. I'm I'm just hoping beyond hope here. But the, we we will move the ball on this defense. I, I believe that. I, I Even though it's on the road, even though it's okay, I think we will move the ball on this defense. Uh, the pit game was kind of – it just – it was kind of an outlier. And I know the offense hasn't been good, but it was pathetic in that game. I don't think we're going to see that pathetic offense again. Knock on wood. But we'll be able to move the ball in this game. I do believe that. This is our first road game since WVU. So we got to kind of shake the rust off of how to play on the road. And it's the third week in a row. We're looking for that bounce back. Is yeah. it going to be this week? I do. I do have. Uh, I never usually do this on the bot. Not very often. Sometimes you'll do it, but I don't do it very often. Um, I do feel good about this game, actually. I think what we'll see is the defense is really going to uh, come back pretty fired up. I think they're really going to take that pretty heavy and in yeah. this, in, in, in the way that that happened. Um, and I, I don't put it and this isn't to say they should have to, or that I'm putting blame on them because quite honestly, they carried the water for us in, in a lot of games up, up to that. And they had one, one bad game, but I do think that'll lead to them coming out pretty, pretty hard in this one. And I'm just hoping that, like I said, at the very least, we just don't screw it up. Just use the same game plan that you just used against Syracuse. It worked mm-hmm. really well. Don't overthink it. Don't just go with what it. Keep that read option just going because it was working so well. Uh, and use that, and hopefully it helps establish the pass game a little bit. And I, I, I do feel good about this game because I think the defense is really going to show up, and I just really hope that we don't meddle too much with the offense that just showed it it worked pretty well. Yeah, I, I do feel good about us coming out and playing well. I also think that Georgia Tech doesn't quit. Uh, that team has fought in every game, and if you looked at that UVA game, they were down 17 points in the fourth quarter, and they came back and nearly tied it up at the end. They They had a chance to, so... They're going to fight, and we're going to fight, and it's it could be an ugly game, uh, but I'm really hoping we can go down and pull out a victory because we need this game if we want to make a bowl. Not It's not like mathematically, no, we could get by with losing it, but if we lose this game, we're not going to a bowl like that because that, there's no way we're going to win three out of the last four. So you have to get this one if you want to go to a bowl, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And – yeah, I, I hope, and I truly do. It's been a rough season. There's been, you know, neat. you got players that had to listen to that same chant uh, this past Saturday and things. I, mm-hmm. So, uh, if nothing else, I, you know, I do hope that we can, you know, scrounge together the rest of the season and and get a win here, and a few more wins after that, and and send the the guys out to to go bowling and and you know find a destination. Hopefully, it's not somewhere too. Uh, Two in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, I saw the line was GT minus four, which I don't know. I feel like that's a bit heavy yeah. towards GT. Like, I, I 
I think it opened maybe at closer to a pick'em, but has moved to GT minus four. So we'll see where it shakes out at the end of the week. But uh, but I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, if I had to put, like th- this past weekend, I was talking to one of my buddies about games, and he was putting his bets out there. And I said a lot of money's going on Clemson right now, thinking that they're gonna, you know, be the team that beats Pitt. And I said I would not bet that. I, I said, in fact, I would, t- <laughs> I would take Pitt in a heartbeat if I. But granted, I'm spending your money. I said Wake Forest is a shoe in. You know, obviously go with Wake Forest. I was like, but don't bet that game. I think honestly, if I was wasn't a Virginia Tech fan, I would not bet Georgia Tech in this game on the minus four, especially just the way that our games. We've been in every single one of these games except for Pitt. You do not want to be playing a minus four line on games that we've been keeping this close against. It's a stay away. It's a total stay away from from an objective perspective. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I wanted to, before we move on to our picks for the week, I wanted to just talk about Fuente's future. We got the buyout that that drops to seven point five million on December fifteenth, and I talked a little bit about it without you last week. And Andy Bitter brought up the point that if you're gonna fire him, you kind of need that vacancy cleared right after the UVA game, at least publicly, because you need to get a new coach in there because you got a recruiting class coming up and that needs to sign early signing day before Christmas, and you, you got to get these guys in place. Yeah, and so. Can we really afford to wait to December 15th? Well, you can do anything you want. I mean, you could wait as long as you want if you don't care about losing a few recruits. If you believe this to be a three- to five-year build, you're not going to sweat losing a few recruits. However, in today's college football and Witt being fairly savvy, teams don't do that. They move on quickly because they know they need it's time is of the essence. What do you think is going to be – like, do you think we would fire him midseason if we lost another game? Or do you think it's always going to be at the end of the year? Forget the buyout for a second. Do you think it's possible we'd fire him midseason? If this was the old signing day, no, obviously. So the new signing day, I, I know we're still kind of coming to understanding how the new signing day timing works. So if people don't like this conversation happening midseason, well, too bad. The, like College football has changed. And the vast majority of recruits sign on the early signing day now, and some people hold back. And the more that there people are getting stats on that, the kids that are holding back, a lot of them have had trouble um, getting recruited. A lot of kids are gotten into actual trouble. There are usually circumstances of why people, or they're so highly recruited, it doesn't really matter to them, so they're just going to mm-hmm. wait. Um, those are your kind of top 50 kids that can do whatever they want. Uh, it. So I want to put that out there because I, you know, if this was the old signing day period and we're sitting here talking about it, I get it. People would roll their eyes, but it's really not that it's not how it's played anymore. And you do have to have that coach locked in. What what I think, forget the buyout and ignore it. My suspicion, and this is just me, I know nothing. I, you know, and I know no more than anybody else out there. My suspicion is that Witt has his list out and he's already getting on the phone with agents, kind of figuring out who else is out there and what he thinks is going to be available, what is you know potentially available, those sorts of things. And he's not going to... He'll pull the trigger and likely whenever he feels comfortable that he knows which direction he 
potentially can move next. But I do think it's going to happen before that UVA game. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm not sure what I think at this moment because I was wondering if we would do one of these LSU situations where LSU basically paid Orgeron to not go away, but like, hey, you're done after the year. You know that. We're going to start our search, and we've got an agreement to pay you a certain amount. I just wonder how that would work with our buyout thing. Do you tell Fuente, hey, we're buying you out on the 15th, but you're gone, and we're going to go hire a new coach? I'm not sure if you can do that. Like, can you hire a new coach if you still got a coach under contract on the 15th? Like, I, I think you definitely can. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, all of that can, the, the contract can be rewritten if both parties agree to it. If the number's right for Fuente and the number's right for us, they can amend it and do uh, essentially whatever they want. It might be a little bit different, but everything's different now. Normally, you wouldn't do yeah. these types of things. People would always fire coaches during the season when things were going horrific, but now it's becoming normal. Like by uh, yeah. next year or the year after, it's going to be completely normal for that to happen. So, Granted, we don't have any more home games, so Witt doesn't have to worry about our fans in the stands, you know, Got cheering. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike. Any, we only have one more, I guess. We don't have one, you know, against the worst team in the division. Yeah. So we don't have. Hopefully, knock on wood, don't have to worry about too many of those chants. So that gives him a little bit of breathing room. If we had, if we were ending the season with you know four home games, I think Fuente would be would have been gone on Sunday. Honestly, that's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, it could be. I, I do wonder, like, just because the negative sentiment is so bad already, do you just do it to to save the negativity a little bit, to slow the negativity and to get people excited again, uh, even if it is at the end of the year? I, everyone's like always like, what's not going to make a rash decision? Well, it's not rash at this point, <laughs> like to fire midseason. We're no longer at the rash part of this. Rash would have been after Liberty, which would have been actually fully valid in my mind, but that's beside the point. Um, I think it could happen before UVA. I do think that if we, if we lose again, it could certainly happen next Sunday or Monday. Uh, I thought it might happen today, but it didn't. Um, I thought it would, was a little bit of a long shot to happen today, but I thought it could have. If we lose again next week, I would say that percentage goes up. <laughs> but I don't know what if he's ever going to do that. If he doesn't see the benefit, then he's not going to do it. And it's it's up to him. And no one, there's no insiders there's that, that really, really know. No. Unless you're sitting next to it in the office, you don't know. And even if you're sitting next to him, the, the way the – way all of his coaching hires, his big coaching hires, have come – completely out of surprise i mean he has done an exceptional job of keeping things under wrap thus far and he is not going to deviate from that and yeah it's if he does it's a it's a screw up um and something got out like in a bad way it's not because and it's certainly not i don't know not intentional i mean if he wants it's evidenced by the buzz williams hire no one knew about that prior the mike williams the mike young hire we we thought it was the assistant from UVA, right? Yeah. Like that's we got word like someone's like sources. We're getting like the guy from yeah. UVA or UMBC. Yeah. That's what it was. It was completely wrong. And uh, we didn't. <laughs> we got Mike Young, and we didn't think that was going to happen. And Fuente was on a plane in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was a complete surprise. We were all watching football. I think I was at uh, I was in Arlington at a bar when that got announced. Um, I'm pretty sure. So it was. 
that one was completely that was where he did the whole midnight flight for Fuente to go meet and yep. and and Bud was there and he didn't even know who he was go, who he was going to meet with. And on the flip side, all the sources were kind of leaning that he was going to be gone last year yeah. and they all had it wrong. So so like it, it, no one's ever known what Wit's going to do. Yeah. And so uh, we don't know anybody better than anyone else, but if you just go by what teams do in college football when it starts to get to a ridiculous point of losses, typically the guy gets canned, even if it's before the end of the year. I don't know if Witt has that in him or not, but we will find out because I think it's going to get put to the test. Yeah, and this is going to be a tough a tough year for coaching searches. I mean, you have LSU out there. You have USC out there. Obviously, they're going for a different type of coach and caliber of coach than maybe we are, but these are not the um, the first uh, shoes to drop on coaching searches. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough year. All right, let's do these picks, man. A uh, bunch of cool ACC games and then some out of conference games that are fun. Miami at Pittsburgh. Miami played really tough last week, got the win, and I, I thought they were kind of dead in the water without Derek King, but. Van Dyke came in and played well. Pitt is ten and a half point favorites at home against the Hurricanes. People are saying just you got to pull it off and and put Van Dyke in and get ready for next season. Seems like it might be might be working. I'm going to go with Pitt uh, in this game. That's a the hook is brutal with the ten and a half. But it I'm, is tough. But I'm going to take I'm going to take Pitt. My gut is telling me that's just a half a point too many potentially. I like Miami. I'm going to take them to cover. FSU at Clemson. Clemson, 10-point favorites in their own right at home against the Seminoles, who I said earlier had won three in a row. I'm going FSU. Yeah, I'm going to go FSU, too. <laughs> I, don't know how to, right. I don't know how to say this, but Clemson is really bad. I mean, They're sorry, man. Their quarterback is really bad. Their offensive line is really... And their quarterback will be amazing. I believe that. I firmly believe that. But he's just young and needs time to develop. But they're just not that good right now. And uh, this is FSU wants to to keep this close so bad because they've been in the dumps so far, and Clemson has risen so high that this is would be such a big game for them to to win. Yeah. Um. So I'm and they basically had the week off playing UMass. Like they're going to be ready for Clemson. They're going to be pumped. Yep. I, I think they can keep that thing tight. Yep. All right. BC at Syracuse. This is like a old Big East piece of crap game, but we'll pick it anyway. Syracuse, five and a half point favorites. BC struggling. I'm going to take Q's. I'm going to go back to my picks have been on fire the last. We didn't do them last week, but before that, I had three great weeks in a row. I'm going back to my BC train. No thought whatsoever okay. into that. What's, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Duke at Wake Forest. Wake, 16.5-point favorites um, in one of the Tobacco Road matchups. Uh, I got to take Wake here. Yeah, I'm taking Wake. The- UNC at Notre Dame. This should be fun. Yes. UNC is still up there in the SP+. I'm not exactly sure why, but they're they're up there, and I don't trust Notre Dame. I could see UNC winning this outright. Um but it's oh god i don't i'll take notre dame i think they might have figured something out this past week and I, i'm flip-flopping all over the place taking notre dame yeah i have notre dame in this game uva at byu the bronco bowl byu had a really good start to the season then they 
they've been whipping every Pac-12 team. Yes. Like I feel like they've won every single matchup against the Pac-12. I got BYU in this game. I don't know if they can keep up with what UVA has been showing on offense, but that's a long trip for for UVA uh, to head. Tough out there. place to play. Tough place to play. I'm going. Um, I'm going with BYU here. I'm going to take UVA uh, plus two and a half. I think I think they can they can pull the upset. Yeah, BYU is two and a half point favorites. I'm going to take UVA to cover. Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan State four and a half point underdogs at home. I like State. Wow. I you know what really spooked me most about Michigan State's been pretty good this year. They have um, isn't that their running back that's really really good Walker. Yeah, uh, he's exceptional and. And, of course, Michigan State wants to play spoiler on probably one of Harbaugh's best teams. But what spooked me most of all is that freaking Illinois-Penn State game. Nobody saw that coming, and I, I'm going to go Michigan State here. So I think that we all thought that it was going to be this Michigan's going to beat up on Penn State, Penn State's going to beat up on Ohio State, like this trifecta of those teams really going yeah. at it, and then Michigan State may play a little part in that. I think that's off the table with that Illinois loss. I think there's going to be, you know, Ohio State's just going to cruise, which is just unfortunate for everybody. I, I mean, if you give me more than a field goal in this rivalry game, and, and I'm getting a hook on that four, like, I'm, I'm going to take Michigan State every time, I feel like. UGA versus Florida, world's biggest outdoor cocktail party. Florida, 14-point underdogs against the mighty... Mighty dogs. I'm going to take uh, – well, you can go first this time. Let me think for a second. I'm here. taking Florida. I'm just thinking what they did against Alabama early on. Obviously, we found Alabama to have a lot of glaring holes, and Florida has, has obviously fallen off a bit since since then. Uh, but I think 14 is just a, a lot of points. Um, and, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go Florida in this. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna take Florida too. Uh, that that outdoor cocktail party, it's it's like it's a rivalry game, but sometimes it's like a rivalry game on steroids, where the team you just think has absolutely no shot in the game ends up winning. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna take Florida. There's the outside chance they pull the miraculous upset, but Florida's not a very good. They're not playing very well right oh, now. Oh no, I don't so. have them winning <laughs> this game. It's really just whether they can keep it within, you know. Yeah, seven points, it, ten points, something it's, like that. It's a college football is crazy play. Yeah. That's 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 what it is. I wouldn't actually bet this game with real money, but we're picking it for the podcast. So I'm going to go Florida. And then last one, we're going to pick Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State, eighteen and a half point favorites in what should have been a top ten matchup if Penn State doesn't blow it last week. Um, Penn State's not that uh, good. Here we are at the same place we always are. <laughs> Penn State's not that good. So it's that game really showed it that. They've had injuries. Yeah. They have quarterback problems. They have they got a lot going. And Ohio State's offense is getting better and better. And just it's really I got Ohio State here. Yeah, and that's the a scarlet lot of and red. Death Star is fully operational. Fully operational on offense. Yes, fully operational. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, oh man, I think Penn State bounces back and covers. All right. I'll uh, that's uh, I'll take them to cover. I do not think they'll win, but I'll take them to cover. All right, that'll do it for picks. That'll do it for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Robbie's back. That was made my life a lot easier. It's hard to do a single man podcast, but uh, you did well. 
you, you kind of make like all the transitions and all like the counter arguments yourself. Like it's no fun. I'm just, yeah, yeah I'm just the filler guy. It gives you time to think. So it makes it easy. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, we'll see what happens. I hope we can get this win. Cause I do want to go to a bowl. Like those extra practices, the not the streak I know is over, but last year you kind of doesn't count. If we don't go to a bowl this year, like the ball streak is messed up. Like we we messed it up, we stink, and you have to be bad in college football to not go to a bowl. So we got to get this win because it gives us a little bit more wiggle room in the final four games. Yep, I agree. All right, make sure to hit us up on Twitter. It's at two deep vt two deep vt at gmail dot com if you want to send us anything, including resumes or applications or just your credentials in a very informal matter. If you want to help us out with the podcast and, you know, get behind a mic and then, um, at two deep VT on Instagram and two deep VT.com is a website. You can stream every podcast, check out our beers and check out Robbie's stats and our picks. Cause Robbie has been scorching hot. You should see how well he's doing and maybe you want to follow his picks before you follow mine. One more thing. If you do yeah. want to do the podcast, um, Pete is uh, not about uh, audio quality, so just make sure you have a a, a mic and you're not calling from a walkie-talkie. <laughs> so uh, we spend. Uh, that's right. I would expect um, if uh, that's why we're going after you know the media majors, the comms majors, because I'm expecting you to be able to know how to re record a podcast, produce a podcast, have a. It doesn't have to be an amazing mic. Yeah. I don't have an amazing mic, but we've always prided ourselves in knowing how to record properly and having good quality so and this is all stuff we talk to you about and make sure that that you are the right fit for us but um but yeah i mean there's the beauty of podcasting is it is kind of an informal medium and it doesn't have to be crystal clear in order to get a message across you can record on your your uh computer mic here and there but ultimately if you're gonna do it and help us out and be a part of the two deep team like we'd want you to have a good quality mic and know what you're doing because that's because we don't so we, we need some yeah. people to, to we're not even a, be able forget to, uh, being a business we're barely a podcast that's right that's right we've just we've just been like yelling into the void for four years five years six years oh wait seven years <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah we we're looking forward to seeing if we could team up with some younger people get a different perspective and uh put some fun out there uh every week with us and that's gonna do it until next time and hopefully we're Celebrating a big win in the Tecmo Bowl. Go Hokies. <laughs>